Hi, everybody, and welcome to the second season of Midway. Okay, here I go. When I finished up the first season, my son Miro had just left for college, and I was heading off for a radio workshop in Cape Cod. New Bedford, Cape Cod. For nine weeks, I lived and worked with a group of nine other people, learning to create radio stories for a tiny station in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. All right, here I go, driving off into my future. <laughs> I started Midway as a way to reinvent myself after quitting my job at National Geographic, and I did it. I'm currently working as an independent radio producer, and I love it. But here's the thing. Midway turned out to be about a whole lot more than just making the transition to a new career. It's about navigating midlife and the way it changes our bodies, our minds, our roles, our priorities. It's about things like finding a sense of purpose, nurturing new friendships, redefining what it means to be a mother, and making the most of the urgency you feel as you get older. And so even though I'm lucky to have found this new thing I love, making audio stories, I still have plenty of things I want to sort out about midlife in the second season. Luckily, I have a lot of smart people to help me out. People like my friend Cynthia. It's a spring day, and we're in a tiny wooden shed she uses as her writing cabin. Yeah, thanks. So, it's in the backyard of her house in Oakland, California. Just sort of sit sure. next to you. Do you want to sit in this chair? Cynthia is a longtime journalist, and we've worked together over the years on stories that took her all over the world. But our subject today is a lot closer to home for both of us. So, so what I want to do is to, if you're okay with you know talking about your own experiences. Oh sure, yeah, I've got no problem with it. I obviously yeah. went awfully public with it. Yeah, right. Cynthia is the one who first put me on to the story I'll be telling you today, which is about menopause. I went through menopause a few years ago, and in some weird way, I felt like it was something I should have been prepared for, because back when I was the editor of a health magazine, menopause was part of what we reported on every month. So I was surprised when I realized how little I'd kept up with the current thinking about menopause and how to manage it. Because for one thing, until about 15 years ago, doctors were telling women to get on hormones pharmaceutical drugs to replace the estrogen they lose when their ovaries stop producing it naturally. They were saying basically, you should take these hormones, it'll make your skin better, it will cause any vaginal dryness problems to go away, it'll make you feel sexy, you'll look much younger, you'll be more robust, and, not to make this all sound too shallow, we have a lot of evidence that it's good for women's hearts, it's good for osteoporosis, and it is a way to keep yourself a little younger and, and more active. But today, everyone I know who's my age are not on any kind of hormone therapy. Oh, that's interesting. It's interesting because Cynthia's discovered that when it comes to hormone therapy, most women have gotten the wrong message. There is one general medical view, or anti-medical view, if you want to call it that, that just says, don't take hormones. They're bad for you. They cause cancer. They make you sick. It's not actually correct. And it's weird because getting us to that view, well, that was actually a hard-won victory for a group of health activists. You know, the women behind the whole Our Bodies, Ourselves movement. They spent years crying foul about what they called the medicalization of menopause. A lot of people, particularly in the sort of feminist medical community, said there's an enormous industry out there pushing these medications on middle-aged women 
under the general guise of you need to stay young for the rest of your life and you need to take our happy pills in order to do that. That thinking had really changed by the time I started getting hot flashes several years ago. I mean, I never once considered taking hormones because in the time between when, say, my mother went through menopause and I did, the medical advice on how to handle it did a complete 180. And now Cynthia's telling me that advice. It's not actually correct. So what happened? And what does it mean for me now? That's what I wanted to figure out for this show. So here's what I learned. From my home studio on tree-lined Asbury Place in Washington, D.C., I'm Barbara Paulson, and this is Midway. So on today's show, I set out to retrace the story of estrogen, from what led to it becoming the number one drug in the country at one point, to how it's had a complete fall from grace, for reasons that will prove to be at least partially bogus. Because it turns out that the case against estrogen is a surprising example of when one of the most fundamental principles of medicine, first do no harm, may have actually resulted in doing more harm for some women. We'll be hearing more from Cynthia in the second part of this show. But for now, I want to begin with where this story starts for me, which is months before my conversation with Cynthia. It starts with my love of dance. Oh yeah, and my fear of aging. I should say right here at the beginning, I'm no ballerina. But I love Zumba. When I'm moving across the dance floor, swinging my hips to that crazy Latin music, it's the one time in my day when that voice in my head, the one that's constantly chattering, trying to make sense of my life, it's not in charge. My body is. And that's a great thing. Dancing feels so good. I love being part of a group of women sweating and grooving together in unison. And I'm thrilled when my dance teacher gives me a shout out on my twerk. I had to Google what that meant. But there are days, not always, but sometimes, when my body gets so tired and heavy that the voice in my head breaks through. When did this happen? Because with my arthritic feet and the extra 20 pounds I've gained in the last 10 years, why is this so hard? Well, the picture in my head of the dancer I want to be is so different from what I see in the mirror. There's got to be something I can do. All too often, the signs and symptoms of health-related issues... Every few months, I get a flyer in the mail that describes the way I've started feeling. Weight gain, insomnia, fatigue, lack of energy, low... Okay, I don't have all of that going on, but enough of it. ...issues, hot flashes, and more. It's an ad for an alternative clinic, an anti-aging clinic here in D.C., that says tuning up my hormones can put everything right. ...to achieve total body wellness. So, I figure, why not? I make an appointment, and the clinic feels like a spa. There's a fountain, they give me lemon water while I wait. But yeah, it's got a nice little cayenne bite. They take my medical history, and I explain why I'm here. I want to avail myself of whatever the new thinking about hormone replacement is. And then just, in general, just wanting to feel optimum in terms of energy. And then I'm led to a small room where they take my blood. Lots of blood. Oh, it's a lot of vials. <laughs> that makes me nervous. And this is how it works. They'll measure my hormones, see where I'm falling short, 
then recommend boosting them with hormones that are identical to the ones my body used to produce. I'll explain why that's important later. And it makes sense. When a woman hits menopause and she stops getting her period, it's because her ovaries stop producing estrogen. So if I'm feeling blah, if I'm running out of gas, maybe all I need is to top up my tanks. What's wrong with that? So part of me is loving this idea. Like, wouldn't it be great if I could take something that would make me feel more sparky and energetic again? But another part of me is like, give me a break. This whole gas tank filler up idea is way too simplistic. Women's bodies are a whole lot more complicated than car engines. It's like there's this dialogue going on in my head. I have just a few more questions for you, Barbara. Is this mic on? Okay, so sure, we're good. So you're a health journalist. Oh, right. Well, I was. And while you were editor of Health Magazine back in the 90s, you published dozens of articles advising women to get on hormones. Is that correct? Oh, well, I don't know if there were dozens, but yeah, the magazine reported on research that showed taking hormones might help women stay healthier as they aged. So you were kind of buying into that marketing hype by the drug companies. What? No. As a journalist, it wasn't my job to advise when we just reported on the science. And at the time, Barbara, the science... if you're a journalist, then why are you falling for this idea that hormones can help you stay young? Isn't menopause just the natural process of aging that should be allowed to take its course? Aren't you just in denial about the fact that you're getting older? I'm nine years old. I'm with my sisters, and we're eavesdropping on a conversation my mother's having on the phone. She's talking to her doctor, and we hear her say she stopped getting her period. My memory is that she thought she was pregnant. Right. And how did we know that? I think I overheard her on the phone. I called my sister Kathy recently to see if she had this same memory. It was all about me. I had just gotten my new room. Oh, you have. And I think That's Mommy right. may have said, oh, you, know, you might not be keeping it. And I was like, what? And that's when we figured out how old she was because we heard her say... Right, because she was 40. 40. Because, you know, she was always secretive about her age. Oh, God, yeah. But my mother isn't pregnant. She's 40 years old, and she's in menopause. In 1966, around the time my mother goes through what she calls the change, a Brooklyn gynecologist named Robert Wilson publishes a book. It's called Feminine Forever, and in it, he portrays women past menopause as castrates who've lost their lust for life, not to mention sex. In the Roman Empire, he says, women live to the ripe age of 23. Now women live past their 60s and into their 80s. When their estrogen dries up, well, so do they. They get wrinkled, depressed, and exhibit, quote, a vapid, cow-like feeling. Been more forgetful than usual. Forgetful? I don't know. Let me think. This is a 1972 episode of All in the Family where Edith Bunker goes through menopause before a live studio audience. She doesn't know exactly what's happening to her until her daughter Gloria tells her. Don't you see the forgetfulness, the hot flashes? It's the change of life. At my age? I watched that episode with my family. And it was perfect because it captured our own experience of wondering what was up with my mother and her mood swings. It can start any time after 40. And when it does, it can turn you into an old woman. Robert Wilson was basically telling women they were suffering from a hormone deficiency disease, one as real as when a diabetic needs insulin. 
and he offered a solution. It says right here, nowadays with simple hormone treatment, there are no unpleasant manifestations. Well, my Aunt Elizabeth went through this and she didn't get manifestations, she got a mustache. You better read this article. It's written by a very important doctor and he knows everything about it. This was a time when the doctor said, I have a medicine for you. Your response was, thank you, doctor. That's Joyce Bickler. She's a breast cancer activist. Suddenly, every menopausal, middle-aged woman felt they were missing out if they weren't taking estrogen. For a little context here, American doctors actually started prescribing estrogen to women decades before Robert Wilson wrote Feminine Forever. The first estrogen drugs were made back in the 1920s from urine collected in gallon jugs from pregnant women. Really. But that turned out to be pretty expensive to produce. Then, in 1938, a British doctor figured out how to cheaply synthesize estrogen in a lab. And the FDA approved its sale in 1941. After that, it wasn't only prescribed to menopausal women, it was given to pregnant women, too, to prevent miscarriages. The doctor said, ah, we have this new drug, a wonder drug. I met with Joyce at her offices at the Breast Cancer Action Network in San Francisco. So can you just start first by um, telling me your name and who, who you are? Sure. My name is Joyce Bickler. Joyce's story shows what can happen when doctors prescribe drugs to healthy women for a benefit that hasn't been scientifically proven. Here's how she describes her first gynecological exam at the age of 18. A doctor gave me uh, an internal exam, and the first thing he said was, holy cow, you look like chopped meat in there, and wanted to rush me to the hospital. The doctor she saw next connected the dots. I went in for tests, and the first thing the doctor that saw me then said, he looked at my mom, and who was with me, and said, did you take anything during your pregnancy? And my mother was taken aback and said, yes, I was prescribed this pill to help prevent miscarriage. Well, that was the first we heard of DES or diethylstilbestrol. In 1972, Joyce was diagnosed with vaginal and cervical cancer. Her mother was devastated. It wasn't just the horror of having a daughter having to go through a cancer diagnosis, but what she felt about that. To see in my mom's eyes the, the grief and the concern because she thought something she did harmed me. Well, just the year before, a study in the New England Journal of Medicine had definitively linked DES to a rare cancer of the vagina in the daughters of women who'd taken it while pregnant. At 18, I'm first developing who I am and my sexuality and, and who I am as a woman. And at that same time, to have to then reorient that knowing that I would have to go through surgery that would mean I'd never be able to be pregnant and that my you know, vagina was basically being removed. DES was given to pregnant women for decades, even though it hadn't been tested on pregnant animals, let alone on pregnant women. So basically, my mother and all the others were, were guinea pigs uh, in, in this crazy experiment. Joyce is the first woman to successfully sue a pharmaceutical company for DES-related harm. And I was always the shy kid. I never spoke to anybody. And then suddenly, you know, during the trial, I was, I was on TV talking about my body parts. And hers is a landmark case. It never should have happened. But the DES tragedy wouldn't be the last time women are treated like human guinea pigs when it comes to hormones. 
or that estrogen would be linked to cancer. It's just the first chapter in what some health activists have called the greatest experiment performed on women. There was a time when women used to only talk about menopause with their doctors or whisper about it among friends. But starting in 1965, the word menopause starts showing up more and more in print. Its frequency doubles by the late 1980s when the first of the baby boomers hit midlife. Suddenly, menopause is everywhere. It's on sitcoms like The Golden Girls. You know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I see my mother's face looking back at me. My mother's face scares me to death. Where the character Blanche, just like my mother, thinks she's pregnant. But it turns out... I'm not pregnant. It's worse. It's... It's much worse. It's menopause. The 90s is the decade when menopause comes out of the closet. In 1992, Newsweek puts it on the cover after two books on the topic become bestsellers. That's also the year the American College of Physicians says that all women, even if they don't have hot flashes, should consider taking hormones. And it's the year that estrogen becomes the best-selling drug in the country. By this time, DES is out of the picture, but a drug company has figured out an efficient way to mix up a new form of estrogen from pregnant horse's urine. They call it Premarin. Premarin, you know, for pregnant mare's urine. Most women who take estrogen replacement take a drug called Premarin. In fact, and they put out films like this one to educate women about menopause and how Premarin can help. It's got a wonderful record of experience. Your vitality may be restored. At the peak of this menopause craze, I'm at work as the editor-in-chief of a national health magazine. I'm nowhere near menopause. I'm in my mid-30s. But when the time comes, I'm pretty sure I'll take HRT. That's shorthand for hormone replacement therapy. And why wouldn't I? Because the news about hormone therapy just keeps getting better. Estrogen isn't just for hot flashes anymore or vague promises of youthful vitality. Solid studies suggest it might prevent heart disease, which kills more women than anything else. Studies show that menopause contributes to heart disease. Studies are investigating the connection between menopause and colon cancer, memory loss, sight loss, and tooth loss. Wow, that's a lot of loss. What you can do to protect your health during and after menopause. Health Magazine runs plenty of articles on the pros and cons of making the hormone decision. And because the magazine is funded in part by advertising, we also run plenty of ads for the drugs. They're all marketed with this message of female empowerment. I've taken control of my life, and I keep up on things that affect my health, like estrogen. Lauren Hutton is an aging supermodel who becomes the symbol of the vibrant, sexy, middle-aged woman who takes hormones. Ads show her running on the beach, looking into the mirror as she pulls back her curly hair. Believe me, the time to protect your future is now. And that's exactly what women think they're doing, on track to look like Lauren Hutton. I mean, to protect their future, as millions of them get on hormones all through the 90s. By the end of the decade, 15 million women are on hormone replacement therapy. They've turned back the clock. They've shown aging the door. They're living proof that middle-aged women can take charge and be sexy, too. But in July 2002, the unthinkable happens. The National Institutes of Health calls a press conference in Washington. It's like, whoa. They're calling the largest clinical trial on hormones to a halt three years First, early? 
Women should not start or continue this therapy to prevent heart disease. The findings show it doesn't work. The study's called the Women's Health Initiative. It's the mother of all clinical trials, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled. It's a hugely expensive study designed to prove, once and for all, that women on hormones live longer because estrogen protects against the number one killer of women, heart disease. In fact, the therapy increases the risk for a heart attack or stroke. Additionally, it increases the risk for uh, breast cancer and for blood clots. It was news that sent millions of American women of a certain age running to the phone to call their doctors. Women were terrified. The whole world went crazy, if you will. Wholesale went off their hormones. Because the results were so contrary to what had been considered medical wisdom about the value of using hormone therapy. Decided that all doctors were bad, that we misguided them, that we were causing cancer, we were doing all these bad things. It's like a record player screeching to a halt. The findings show it doesn't work. The bottom line, women should get off hormones now. And so, while some women freak out, others say, we told you so, because the whole reason the WHI study ever happened was that you had a bunch of women health activists waving their arms saying, people, remember DES? We don't really know if this stuff works. So when the study's halted, it's like, see, this whole idea of pushing hormones on women, basically turning the very natural process of aging into a disease that needs a pill to fix it, it's nothing more than a massive conspiracy between know-it-all doctors and greedy pharmaceutical companies. But the story isn't over yet. Before we go further, I want to back up and remind us exactly what menopause is. Think of it as the bookend to puberty. It's your body saying, okay, no more babies, the factory is closing down. And scientists don't actually know, from the standpoint of evolution, why it happens so early, relative to a woman's lifespan. I mean, elephants have babies in their 60s, and some whales give birth in their 80s. But anyway, scientists do know what happens when the factory shuts down. Once your body no longer needs to get ready to have a baby every month, it can stop producing the hormones that help that happen. Not to get too detailed, but since the lining of the uterus no longer needs to get plumped up each month to support a fertilized egg, the ovaries can stop producing the estrogen that made that plumping happen. And then, since there's no plumped up lining, there's no need for menstruation to shed that lining with monthly bleeding. So a woman stops producing progesterone, the hormone that triggered her periods. And when a woman stops producing estrogen and progesterone, well, it doesn't just affect her uterus. It has all kinds of more systemic effects on her skin, her hair, her heart and bones, and on her brain. In other words... Menopause sucks. I don't think people realize how bad it is. I mean, not for all women, but for some. Like my friend Janet. You have, like, this alien taking over your body. And for my friend Cynthia, the journalist she met earlier. I was having a series of mini nervous breakdowns. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're, like, sweating. I would be weepy. Like, soaking sheets. And foul-tempered. Dripping in sweat. Depressive cycles that were pretty deep. I would sometimes literally stick my head in the 
freezer. There was also just this sense of sort of despair. My coat is on, my coat is off, my coat is on. My friend's going through and I said, I have one word for you, camisoles. When my mother went through menopause, she got short-tempered and spacey. So my mom had, you know, hot flashes and... Yeah. That's yeah. me talking to my sister Kathy again. And, and she'd uh, always say things like, did I put the chicken in the oven? And now we can relate. The other day, I was in the kitchen and all the dishes were cleaned up. And I said, God love that husband of mine. And I said, thank you for doing the dishes. And he looks at me and he goes, what? I go, wait, did I do them? I couldn't remember if I did them or not. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Oh, anyway, my God. I know. I know. Swiss cheese brain. Oh, my God. God, I know. And again, she confirms my memory that even though our mother went through menopause about 10 years earlier than most women do, during the height of feminine forever fervor. She never went on hormone replacement therapy. No, I didn't either. That kind of stuff scares me. I would have to have really severe symptoms for me to do it. I just worry about cancer and stuff. My menopausal symptoms haven't been too bad. I do have hot flashes and night sweats, nothing I can't put up with. But the thing is, now that I'm a few years past menopause, I feel like I'm aging faster. I mean, I knew I'd get wrinkles, but I didn't realize my cleavage would too. I'm moodier, I have more mental lapses, and my body's just different. So I go back to the anti-aging clinic. Before menopause, I felt like whenever I wanted to lose weight, I could. To get the results of my blood tests, and sure enough, my hormone levels of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, you name it, are undetectable. Undetectable means, so it's like none. So they recommend I bring those levels back up for more vitality, a surge in energy, better sleep, and sounds pretty good. I'm ready to sign up. Excuse me, Barbara. Oh, it's you again. What are you doing here? I just have a few follow-up questions. Do you have a minute? Well, uh, okay, let's close the door. I just wanted to ask, are you crazy? What? How can you be considering taking hormones when that big study said that they increase your risk of heart disease, not to mention cancer? Look, I don't have time for this. This conversation in your head is your lame idea, not mine. Well, then let's stop talking then. Barbara, I'm just trying to stop you from letting your... Let's just be honest. Your fear of getting fat and old turn you into a guinea pig. Did you learn nothing from the Women's Health Initiative? And the answer to that is, yes, I did. And it's not what you think. I mean, I admit, I started looking into this whole issue of hormones because of those ads from the anti-aging clinic and their promises of renewed vitality. But when I did, what I found out is, well, that study... The findings show it doesn't work. It wasn't all it was cracked up to be. It's not actually correct. Next time on the show, I'll look into why the advice about hormones is not actually correct. I'll find out exactly how the massive women's health initiative went wrong, and I'll figure out what the new thinking means for me, and maybe for you too. So tune in. Today's show was written and produced by me, Barbara Paulson. Music, courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. I'll be back in the next episode with more stories of menopause and being midway through life.
See you then. 